Welcome to the Cardinal Cafe. My name is Greg Chastain, and I'm the president of Voices of Hope, alongside my friend Ed Siegel, who's a vice president. Hey, Ed, what's going on? Hi, Greg. How are you? Good, good. We just had one hell of a storm here. Oh, no kidding. It rolled through, knocked out the cable, so why not just have a podcast instead? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was really afraid that we we're going to have to postpone this. It was, uh, haven't had lightning and thunder like that in a while. We even put the dog under the chair for, for a little bit, and he's usually pretty good about that <laughs> stuff, but... Things are good. Electricity's on. We're staying healthy. And uh, the Red Sox are in first place. So all is good. (laughs) All is good. Let's hope it lasts that way past the break. Yes, I hope so, too. And uh, we're getting ready to go on vacation anyway. So I won't be able to see them while I'm out there. So I'm glad it's the (laughs) all-star break while I'm away in Indiana. You can watch the, like, Kansas City Royals, right? Who? (laughs) Please. (laughs) There's no baseball outside the East Coast. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's just us and the Yankees. That's it. Yeah. So anyway, we have a great guest tonight, a good friend of ours, Karen Nassimbeni, who is here tonight. Hey, Karen, how are you? Hello, darlings. So nice to be here with two of my favorite men. (laughs) It is so nice to have you and actually see you. I know know. this is not a visual medium, but uh, we can see you and you look wonderful. Thank you. You look marvelous, darling. Hey, I have a t-shirt that says that. (laughs) So how are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, you know, gearing up to go back to work soon and just, you know, enjoying this time that I've had off, you know, I've been at it since I think I'm 16, you know, I've been working 24 seven and it's been interesting to have some time to just kind of chill out and binge things on Netflix. Ooh, what's your favorite binge? Well, I love Virgin River and I'm so glad that that season three is coming back, but you're not going to believe what I'm binging this week. I I watched the Kaminsky Method, which was really cool, but this week I am going old school and I'm binging the Gilmore Girls because someone recommended it. I never saw it back in the day. (laughs) It's like a guilty pleasure. I stay up till 1.30 in the morning and watch the season, you know, 21 episodes or something and yeah, it's fun. Wow. The Gilmore Girls. I th- she was on Zoe, wasn't she? Wasn't the the mother on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist? So. Yeah. I think she was. Wasn't she the mom from, what's the Don't Put Baby in the Corner? Oh, um, oh um, uh, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. I th- was, was she the mom in that? I think she might have been. She's she's a great actress. Very intense yeah. in this. Yeah. Wow. The Gilmore Girls. Old school. I wow. Know, I know. <laughs> yeah. I love the Kaminsky method. Yeah. It was really cool. That was great. Very well done. Lots of funerals, though. Jeez. Oh, gee. <laughs> I guess I got to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> I started binging at the beginning of the pandemic. And then after a while, I, I decided I'm watching way too much TV and I need to get up and get rid of some of these COVID-19 pounds I was putting on <laughs> my binging all that time. The one I really binged, I forgot about till now, is The Blacklist. I loved that. And oh, yeah, that was really such good. a great show. I'm Spader. It's so great to see you. We haven't uh, we haven't actually got to get together yet. No. Since everything's starting to open up, and I can't wait to uh, actually be there with you and chatting. But this is as good oh, as uh, yeah. we can do at the moment. I'm just so happy that you are doing so well. Thank we you. had many people praying for you during that time, and it looked like our prayers were answered. You look wonderful. Thank you. It's so nice. Well, I felt so it, honestly. Nice. I did. Even when I was in the coma, I felt it. You know, it's like when I woke up, I said to my sister two things. I said, tomorrow is promised to no one and tell everyone that I felt their love and prayers coming from around the world. I really did. Mm. It's like I kind of led a dual existence there for a while. Lucky to be alive. I always appreciated life before, but I certainly appreciate it all the more now. It's a story you've told many times and it just amazes me. And I know also Voices of Hope prayed every night through your sister and we yep. were just uh, so glad that everything is here um we miss steven but we're glad that you're with us and can uh, live another day with you thank you and the boh family was so kind to me 
honestly, all the things that you did and the tributes and the singing and the, the messages and the prayers and the messages on Facebook. And that's what you guys are. You're, you're there mm-hmm. in good times and in bad, right? Yeah, exactly. You get what you give, Karen, and you okay. get, you give an awful lot. So, well, as I said, I, I got any ounce of good karma I ever put out there came back to me tenfold as mm-hmm. did Stevens. You know, I got all the yeah. good karma for him too. And he was such a kind soul that believe me when I tell you, I got a lot of good karma. People were very, very generous to me. So I'm a lucky girl. <laughs> yeah, we're lucky to have you around. And speaking of COVID from a theatrical standpoint, I just learned a little while ago that Equity is um, lifting the mask mandate. How they put it? They said they're lifting the mask mandate if the casts are fully vaccinated. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to uh, see how that rolls out. For us, we've been rehearsing with masks on, and it's not a fun thing to sing with a mask. No, no. Have any of you guys picked up those singers' masks that they created that kind of come out like a little bit of a beak to give you more room? There's yeah. the ones that came out of New York, but right. you know, I, I went to the opening of a gunquit uh, a week or so ago, and it's outdoors, so they're able to do even more. They built a 25,000-square-foot tent that is just a massive undertaking. God love them for what they pulled off. You know, they basically built a theater in a tent, you know, let's build a light room, let's build a soundboard, you know, a sound room. <laughs> God bless them, what they did to pull that off. And it was wonderful. Charles Shaughnessy's in uh, Spamalot up there. So it was fun to see Charlie and a lot of other great Broadway people. But we're getting ready to open Theater by the Sea in a couple of weeks. And we still have a lot ahead of us being in, indoors in a 500 seat old barn theater with North Shore, one of the equity rules is you can't. You have to be more than 10 feet away from the audience members. And at North Shore, we can't do that because they come down the aisles. Fortunately, we're not doing musicals until October. And hopefully there will be one more ban you know, lifted by then because the July 1st ones didn't help us much at Theater by the Sea. Mm-hmm. You still have to have a COVID specialist on staff You know, around the clock. It can't just be company management acting as the COVID specialist. It has to be a separate employee. It's very expensive to reopen, you know, and these poor theaters are, you know, look, we know how many have closed across the country already. And some of them are hanging on by a thread. We're waiting to hear on the Save Our Stages money. I've been tracking that closely. A number of theaters have already gotten their money. You know, a lot of the New Yorkers all got the 10 million cap, the Nederlanders and all the great theaters in in Manhattan. But so we're still waiting on ours to see how we're going to fare. But I know the Wayne got their money. Good for them. Uh, Cabot got their money. A lot of people have gotten it. So I think it's going to save a lot of these small ones, but just at a nick of time. Some of them are yeah. barely holding on. Yeah, what are you opening with down at Theater by the Sea? Mamma Mia. Ah. We're doing concerts all this month through the beginning of August, and then we're going to open with Mamma Mia. And then most of that cast will come up here and do the show here. We'll add more equity performers up here. We have more contracts. But How is the uh, rehearsals going with that, with all the equity uh, issues that you have for um, being masked and unmasked and all that stuff for rehearsing and hiring and all that? Is there... I don't want to say not mandatory being vaccinated, but is that something that equity is, is telling the, the actors they need to be vaccinated yes. if they're going to be on stage? Definitely. Yeah. And I think anybody associated with the production is want, going to want to be. You don't want to be the person who shut the show down. You know, I've, I've said right. from the beginning that we could withstand being dark for a year, but what could kill us and put us out of business is if we open too soon and have to shut down because there are so many costs that go into putting a show up. And you make your money back when you open your doors, you know, with all the single ticket sales. I'm actually glad we're not opening here until October. I mean, even at Theater by the Sea, the concerts are, some of them aren't selling at all. Some are selling pretty well. People are kind of still a little bit nervous. You know, the out the people that I'm following that are doing outdoor concerts are doing well. Gunkwood is doing pretty well. 
Cabot's Outdoor Concert Series is doing very well. We haven't started the rehearsal process yet. We are just casting now, but that was a totally different beast because we couldn't go to New York and, you know, have a thousand people, you know, lined up to audition. But Kevin and Matthew said they got, what, 900 audition tapes for Sophie alone in Mamma Mia. Wow. Can you imagine going through that? <laughs> and, you, and you have to go through them to, to, you know, weed out the bad, to find the good. Honestly, you probably go through enough of them, find somebody good and say, okay, I'm not going to look at the rest of them. And then who knows who you're leaving on the table for future. Right. You know, in New York, you can just bang them out, as you guys know. You know, everybody comes in, they line up, they, it's, you know, sing your 16 bars and you're out. So we're not quite there yet. It's going to be interesting, especially at Theater by the Sea. It's a little antique barn. They're tiny little dressing rooms backstage. They bear, we just put air conditioning in a couple of years ago. It's, you know, it's pretty rusty. <laughs> so. Yeah. One of the things we were worried about because people kept saying, you know, some of the, cause you know, we're in the community theater world. Some of the community theaters are reopening and doing some shows and things like that. We as a board made a decision not to do that for the same reason. We don't want to be the, be the group that causes theater to shut down in our area because right. of COVID. So we've made the decision to stay virtual. And the other reason is, like you said, I'm not sure if audiences are ready to come and sit side by side yet. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Right. I know Broadway has had some, I won't say ticket selling issues, but when we went to buy tickets for, um, we're going to see Jack a Little Pill in November, there was tons of seats. Yeah available. And I've looked at other shows because we think we might see something else over there. And there are a lot of seats available. And that's November, the holiday time. So Springsteen, he was the first one to open on Broadway. I, right. I, I haven't checked yeah. how he's doing. I'll have to look at the numbers. But yeah, I mean, at least with us, with 1,500 seats, Suzanne had already gone in and started reseating the theaters with spacing, just preventatively. And you know, now we don't have to do that, but I think we will continue to do that. If it's not a sellout, why wouldn't you let people sure. feel like they have a seat between them? A Gunkwood has six feet to the side and six feet in front and behind. It's really spaced out. Um, I know Gloucester Stage is, uh, they went to Windover, I think it's called in Rockport, and they're outside this year. People are doing some pretty creative things, but last summer, think about how lucky we were, how lucky restaurants were that they could have outdoor dining. There wasn't a bad day in the two, three month period. Imagine if you're on vacation this week, it's been raining every day, you know? <laughs> it's tough for these guys. Yeah. We're actually all, you know, most of us are all still laid off. We're going to slowly start bringing people back. We had to bring a couple people back this week to get things ready for Theater by the Sea because we're going to take some of our equipment down there to, you know, save some money. So why, you know, why bother renting when we have it? And also, I guess you can't even get the wireless mics that you guys use. You use when you come to our place. You can't get those right now because so many people are coming back and going outside and want to be far apart. And they don't want to have handhelds that they're, they were having a hard time at Theater by the Sea actually getting the mics. As you might know, we built a studio so we could record in our uh, rehearsal space. When I ordered the mics, we had to get different ones. They didn't have the ones that we really wanted. So they found replacement ones and things like that because it's the same thing. They said, we have six of them. We don't have nine. We can find another three. We can, you know, and this sort of thing. So a lot of that stuff, as silly as it sounds, we're, we're shooting a virtual cabaret right now. And we wanted everybody in these new color T-shirts that we have, red, blue, and yellow, and I don't know, not orange. I know that. I always get told to get orange to get. <laughs> no. But anyway, we can't get shirts. I went over to the printer guy, and he said the problem with the shirts is that a lot of companies, the big companies, like the Vista Print and all them, house them and put them all in these big, giant trailers and containers. They've kept them for themselves. It's hard to find swag as you as you as you mm -hmm. want to call it yep. or something like that you can't find things it's 
it's crazy. You'd think that they'd be an abundance of those things, but you just can't get them right now. So like costumes and things like that, we've just been having issues with trying to put things together because of that whole thing. The microphones were an issue for us putting our studio together. So I can't imagine what theaters are trying to trying to do. Did they do the uh, the frequency change also on you guys? I know that was going to be an issue for a while, that the frequency was going to change and the new mics were going to have to have this new frequency. But I don't know if that ever happened or if that was shut down because of the pandemic. Well, and they this didn't is coming back to me now from a year ago. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to make a note right now to ask about that. I can't remember what the <laughs> deadline. Oh my God, I'm so checked out right now. I can't remember what the deadline was that we had to do the frequency change, but I'll, I'll look into that. I asked Darren about that just recently, our, our tech guru, and he said that everything that we had was fine and that there wasn't a major significant change just yet. And he didn't think there was going, was going to happen for a while. So I don't know if he had heard something else uh, from what we heard a year ago. Yeah, I wouldn't. Be you never know. They delayed it. Obviously, it's been an unprecedented year. Yeah. They, I tell you what they haven't delayed is charging you for MTI for rights to shows. I can tell you. <laughs> no, they well, they've gotten more creative in, in finding different ways of charging you. Yes, yes they have. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What do you think the future is going to look like for theater? Is it you think that it's going to get back to from an audience perspective? Do you think people are going to it's going to take a couple of years for people to be completely comfortable sitting in a theater? I mean, I'm, I do. I'm fully vaccinated, so I'm fine sitting there, but I don't know what the rest of the world is like. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it's going to take a while to come back. I, look, nothing is ever going to replace live performance. You know, there's something about sitting in that room with 1,500 people going on a shared emotional journey. You know, you can feel it. Everybody gasps at the same time. And yeah. it's so powerful, you know. And I think a lot of people thought that virtual programming was going to replace what we do. It's never going to replace what we do. You know, I mean, I bought several concerts over the past year just to support artists and whatnot. And I will always make a larger donation than I ever would have paid to, for a cover charge, you know, because you're like, you know what, if this cool musician is putting together a show on a Saturday night, so we have something to do, I'm going to give him some money, you know, mm -hmm. all they want to do is perform. So I do think it's going to take some time. I think that I will probably, if I'm not sitting with people I know, I will probably still wear a mask inside uh, the theater if I'm cheek to cheek with somebody. I talk about this a lot. I'm on the front line there. And if, you know, you can imagine how many people have said to me, I can't wait to hug you. And I'm going, oh my God, you know, do I want 1500 people hugging me every night? Right. It's no accident. I haven't been sick in over a year because I'm not sharing germs, shaking people's hands. You know, I think right. there's a lot of protocols we have to take out of this. And like, it's really disappointing to me when you go into a Home Depot or wherever and all the sanitation stuff is gone. I bring my own little Purell things in and I wipe down the cart. I did it today at a couple of stores and I still get into the car and put my sanitation stuff on my hands. And I think just because we flipped the switch doesn't mean that we should have gone back to nothing. You know, I think right. anything we can do. And, and I was never a Purell person before. You know, I, how many samples do we get in swag bags every night at these events that we go to? I would just, <laughs> you know, give it to somebody. Now it's, you know, it's part of my life. To answer your question, I think it's going to take some time, but I do think people will come back. You know, one of the things that we should talk a little bit about is, you know, this thing that when I was doing Jay Foss's show a few months ago, I talked about this program I wanted to launch called Compassionate Companions. And I think about the bigger picture of how many people like me are going to walk into North Shore Music Theater without my husband for the first time. And what's that going to be like for me? I can't tell you, you know, I'm out in the public every day. 
And people say to me, oh, I can't come back. I haven't been back in years. And I say, why? And they say, because I used to go with my mom and she died. And it's not just theater. It's the Red Sox games with people who used to go with their dads. They can't bring themselves to go back after something like this happens. I want to launch a program where if you are a widow or your mom died or your grandma died, we will set you up with a volunteer who will sit and watch the show with you. And they'll meet you at your car and they'll say, hey, what did John used to eat? You want a popcorn? Let's get you a popcorn. And do you want to sit in your regular seats or do you want to sit in, you know, maybe we'll call it the reflection section, you know? I mean, you guys know you're in the, in the business of raising money for cancer research. How many people in your own circle have you lost and how difficult is it for them to walk back into our doors after they've lost somebody who used to come to the shows? So that's really on my radar right now. I want to find a way to bring people back. I mean, think about, can you imagine how much of our audience is gone? You know, how many elderly, I mean, look at just the people on our staff we lost and, you know, elderly ushers and whatnot and spouses of ushers. I mean, we had, we got hit hard, you know, after the fact, well, after we were closed, obviously. So that's, that's one of the things I'm, I'm thinking a lot about, but I will tell you, I have gone to some live performances and uh, outdoors and there's nothing like it. Being back there is mm. just, you know, how much we love this stuff, you know, the musicals and the concerts and blues. I mean, I've been going to a couple of brew pubs because those are all kind of like open garages, you know, it's open air. So you feel safe. I, I see like the younger kids will be masked because they're not vaxxed yet. And I'm, I'm glad about that, but there are also a lot of people lying about being vaxxed. I would just hope people don't put you in harm's way. You know? Yeah. Right. We're filming, like I said, for our virtual cabaret and we just spent seven to eight hours at Gillette stadium this week filming. It was the first time we've been able to really film or sing together, dance together without a mask. And it was so freeing. And like you said, it just kind of brings you back to what we love to do. Mm. We can't wait to perform live for people also. I'll speak out of turn. This virtual crap is killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Ed does all the uh, post-editing work and it's just, it's more time than putting a real show together. Mm -hmm. It is. I'd rather do the program than the post edit. (laughs) (laughs) And that's saying something. I'm also thinking about the other side of it, not just the audience, but the employees. You know what our industry's like. You guys, you load in, you're working around the clock. I don't know how you, because you are the team, you are the production team. And then you put on a show. Like it's, we're lucky we have voices when it's all done. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you know, our guys, they'll go 72 hours without sleeping. When we're loading in a show, they'll sleep in the aisles, get a couple of hours, go back to work. People aren't going to do that anymore. We've had 16 months or however long it is to have some work-life balance and they just don't have it in them anymore. Right. And that's going to be tough. I know that theaters that are open are having a hard time getting employees to come back to work because they're still collecting the extra cash. If that was me and I knew I didn't have a job, I'd be getting a job right now because you can name your price with people. They're so desperate. Restaurants, I have friends opening restaurants right now that are taking in food deliveries and can't open their doors because they don't have enough staff. Right. Yeah. It's incredible. We just had Elliot from Jordan's Furniture on uh, last week and he can't open the IMAX because he can't get people to work. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't open because I can't get employees right now. Right. It's a, it's a struggle. And the work-life mm-hmm. thing is different. Um, I know my wife's office is now starting September. It's two at home and three there. And they've learned how to adjust and do it. And they've really found that they're kind of more efficient at home too, because they're on 24 seven pretty much. But the whole way we live our lives is going to change. Yeah. It's definitely taught us a whole new way of looking at it. I think I heard a report last week where just in general for people that are working from home, productivity is up. 
overall as a blanket number, like 13%, mm. which is pretty interesting. There are some industries that can't do that. Right. My industry, which is lab-based, I was fortunate for the first few months where I could manage some programs and, and do some, some smaller work off of a 3D printer at home. But eventually, you have to be back in the labs and you have to work. So those are some of the industries that require that. But a lot of the things like what Dana does, which is 90% remote, that can be done and be done efficiently. But it's the human interaction yes. that people are missing. That's a big part of developing those relationships and work. You need to have those face-to-face -face conversations. You need to see body language. You need to understand if what you're saying is distressing somebody or is making them happy. Those are the elements that you just can't get rid of those. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a friend who's one of the foremost crisis leadership experts in the country, and I assumed that she was, you know, broke last year, not working. And she said, I've never worked harder in my life. She said, I did over 200 consulting gigs. And I said, why? And she said, all of these very high level, we're talking some of the biggest um, politicians in our country, some of the biggest CEOs of major companies around the world she's coached. A lot of them are having leadership issues, thinking about bringing their people back into the office and how can they be the best leader and how can they face these challenges of work-life balance? I know I'm thinking about it. We were so grateful that and any one of us at the theater would take a bullet for that place, you know? We have a new perspective now, right? Because we've had all this downtime and we're reevaluating what's important to us. And she said the other thing that I found fascinating was the level of imposter syndrome that she's dealing with. I said, what do you mean? She said, these are guys that are making millions of dollars a year, brokering billion dollar deals, and they're worried about where they're going to get their next job because they feel like a fraud and that they're going to be found out. And I'm like, well, they must be pretty smart if they're doing these deals. But that's what COVID has done to people. It's shaken them to the core. Mm. It's made them feel very vulnerable. And these are some of the most successful leaders of com major companies from around the world that she coaches. So I, I thought that was fascinating. I mean, you, you know, Greg and Ed, you're the leaders of Voices of Hope, right? I mean, you have been so inventive in what you've done to keep the mission going this year. But I'm sure you're thinking about the same thing. What's it going to look like in the future? How are you going to keep people engaged? How are you going to, I mean, look, we all right now would love to be sleeping in the aisles, right? Just to get back to work. And yeah, exactly. it means we're putting on a show and, and I'm noting my friend, Nate, who's, you know, working up at a gun quit and it's just a tireless job right now. But he said, I'm just so lucky to be working that we're doing it and in the void for the people who aren't coming back to work, really. I never thought I'd miss hearing that old lady in the front row saying, <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can't wait to get back to live theater. I mean, our, our members have been incredible. They've donated their time on these Zoom virtual things that we do. And it's been kind of cool for us too. We've right. got to meet some people we probably never would have met through the Zoom world. We become friends with people that now are interested in us and can give us a voice in outside of our area here. So it's, in a way, it's been a blessing and a curse. But the other thing too is we've learned how to cope mm. with the things that are thrown at us. You know, before it was like everything was a disaster if this happened, and and, and now we've learned. Well, it's not really. We've learned how we just lived through a disaster. We kind of know how to handle some of the situations that pop up. I feel I'm going to be more grateful when we're doing live theater, right. missing some of the things that we always complained about, you know, just sitting there going, oh, my God, we got to go over the altos again because they don't know their part. Sorry, altos. I always pick on them. It's more of like, I can't wait to sit there and have to listen to the altos go over and over. Yeah. They're horrible. The horrible lines they always get. I always feel bad for them. My wife's an alto, so I have to be nice. 
those sort of things or, you know, people writing you, do we have some rehearsal tonight? Is there snow tonight? All those sort of things right. that, that, that come with live theater and rehearsals and things like that. Working with your team, Karen, we always had a great time doing our shows there and in, in some of the things that we would have to talk about. I can't wait to get back to those conversations rather than some of the ones that we've had to do these last well, we few months. We can't wait to and, have you uh, back in our house. And I, we're going to p- complain a lot less about you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> At least for a little bit. 200 people on that stage were like, ah! <laughs> uh, we could do a whole show about all the stuff that we've, we've done over the last seven years at the North Shore. And I think I worked there for two years with you. I think it was two or three on and off for some of the, the funnest things. Got to do some of the most <laughs> bizarre things I've never thought I'd ever get to do in theater and kind of open the curtain, the back curtain and see how, <laughs> how the soup is made and all that stuff. And But like you said, right. VOH is a family, but you guys are a family. The way you guys work together, the way you love one another and just make everybody feel at home when we come into that to that space to do a show. <laughs> We really do invade your space right. <laughs> with, the, with the hordes of people. But you've always made us feel welcome and made us feel at home. Right. That's the way you make your audiences feel, too. And that's why they keep coming back. And I know people always say, hey, I think some people still think I work there. They're like, hey, when are you guys going back to do shows? I'm like, I, I don't work there, but I can find out for you. I know the person who does. Right. But everybody's just dying to come back up, open up the home again, smell the popcorn and we can't wait to uh, uh, be there when Mama Mia uh, opens. You're going to have a ton wait. of VOH family hit, hitting those seats. And uh, wait to have you back on stage. If we can get half of our membership to sign up in 45 minutes to go to New York to see Jagged Little Pill and Sean Allen Krill, we can get our people to fill up the North Shore Music Theater. I have no doubt about that. What is your uh, the first gig coming back? I know you have as a comedian, I believe, right? Right now, Gary Goldman, he's a Peabody guy, um, but he's gone on to do some you know, great things nationally. And for years, especially within the Jewish community, people have said to me, you got to get Gary Goldman. I guess he must do a lot of funny Jewish humor, but he's a, a Peabody kid and he's always wanted to play our room and it finally worked out. We're excited to have him. There's a few other things that we haven't announced yet that we're working on now. A couple of other, you know, tribute acts, that kind of thing. We're just, we're going through, we're redoing the center lift right now. We had to replace all the hydraulics on it and all that. Once we get the green light from the state on that, then we can actually book some thing. We might book some regional acts for August. We don't want to take any chances right now with national acts just because it's so much money and we just don't know if people are going to come there. You know, there's a lot of regional acts that'll put 500 people in there. So we'll do some half houses. Like I really want to bring back Megan Wolf uh, Mm -hmm. in September to do her Amy Winehouse tribute. That was terrific. Rule of three open for her again, and that probably did five or 600 seats the last time. I think it'll do even more this time. There's a lot of people who want to play there. I actually wanted to do a, a garden series, and because I had a private event there a couple of weeks ago, and it was all outdoors, and it was absolutely beautiful, and they brought in these huge jumbotron TV screens, which were very expensive. The gardens were so beautiful that night because they brought in a ton of flowers, And I thought, wow, this is, we should be doing an outdoor concert series in between shows every year. This is what we should be doing. And again, with Mm. regional acts where if it's going to rain, okay, so come back next Friday. You know, there's a lot that we're reevaluating right now as every organization is and um, as to how we can be more profitable. You know, I I was sitting at the show the other night up at a gun quit and I, I I said to Brad, the artistic director afterwards, I was like, because I look at it from a financial standpoint, right? I'm the general manager and I have to think about the money and, and I'm also an artist at heart. So I, I love when we do over the top things, 
but I'm looking at it going, you know, they, they had a 16 foot rabbit, you know, from Spam, in the Spamalot, you know, the funny rabbit yeah. scene. And I'm thinking every regional theater that does this show has to make a rabbit. Like, how can we streamline our industry? Yes, you can rent, but so much. I was at the property today with a friend and, and he said, you know, so what happens to all the stuff after the show? And you, you put it into storage. And I said, no, a lot of it goes into a dumpster because it's actually cheaper to throw it away than it is to pay warehouse bills every month. Right. We were spending thousands of dollars in warehouse costs. When we shut down, everything went into our lobby and our studios and everywhere we could jam it. And now it's all going up to the restaurant. We're not going to open the mm. restaurant this year. I mean, that restaurant's never made any money. And it's it's a wonderful perk for the hundred people who use it every night, but it costs us a lot of money to keep it open. So mm. uh, that's going to be our warehouse for now to be determined. But this year it'll be a warehouse. We're looking at it like, you know, where can we save money between minimum wage going up and just not as many people coming back? We have to make sure that we're smart. And, you know, Bill is shrewd as it is. You know, he's a smart businessman. But even for us, we're looking at where we can cut corners just to stay viable. Yeah, I remember uh, coming out one day and there was a helicopter sitting outside. That was the Miss Saigon days. They're like, what's going to happen to that thing? That'd be cool. They're like, oh, it's getting trashed. <laughs> but it's so cool. That was one of the bad behind the scenes things I love to see. The, those guys that, and ladies that built that stuff were incredible artists. It was an unbelievable to watch. They are true artists. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things going back that I'm going to do a lot more of this year is we are going to show, you know, people think a truck and bus shows up at our place and, you know, the costumes come out and the actors come out and the props come out and we go to New York and cast every single person. Our artisans create every prop and sign, neon sign, whatever you see, a table, a bed, everything's got to be modified, lightweight. That's all created in our shops. And then it goes in the trash. I'm doing a lot of soul searching right now about our industry in general. And it's not just us. It's New York. It's everywhere around the country. Thank God for the angels who are donors that subsidize a lot of these theaters. We're one of the only theaters in the country that's surviving with just spots and seats. You know, we're a for-profit. We don't get the grants. We don't get the the money thrown at us. I think that's something that we're talking seriously about is we may have to go nonprofit again so we can qualify right. for some of that to be mm-hmm. viable. It's one man's money. That's all it is, you know, and it's yeah. not endless. And so we want this place to be around for a long time and we want to think about how we can make that work and what can make it more interesting. So everything's on the table right now. We're having a lot of brainstorming sessions. We're kind of doing the same thing. Like, how are we going to move forward? 2020 was okay. We made a a decent donation. This is a year I think that's tough for us because everybody's trying to come back. The donations, I don't think will be there this year as they were in the past, just because everybody's trying to just survive this year. And then 2022 will hit it hard again. But yes, everybody's rethinking. Going back to your artist thing for a second, I just had a funny story real quick. My daughter went up and painted one season for you guys. I forget the show it was that she painted something really cool and it was on the stage and I took a picture of it during the show and a hand grabbed me from behind like, put that phone away. I was like, it's my daughter's artwork. I want to see it. (laughs) Never take the phone out at North Shore Music. They're very good about that. No, they've got eyes in the back of their heads, those little ladies. What I love is how our subscribers have adopted you guys. They really have. You are a part of their family and a part of their plan now. And it's really beautiful. Like when I do the curtain speech and say, hey, how many of you are our subscribers? It's astonishing how many are. Yeah. And they say to me all the time, we love that group and we love to support them. And as I say in my curtain speeches, you are doing God's work, you know, (laughs) money you have raised for cancer research. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time at that Tamir Center with friends and got to see your good money hard at work. And it's pretty amazing. 
it's a blessing to be able to do work like that. You think about, you know, all the things that you encounter in life, but being able to use the gifts that you have in whatever way, whether it's being a a musician, a performer, a set designer, a painter, a dancer, to be able to do that and make an impact on people's lives like that is is just such a such a gift. And an all volunteer organization, you're just amazing. Seriously, the work you do is so incredible. We love the support you give us. Thank so you. we wouldn't be able to uh, have your subscribers there if you weren't uh, part of our family. So we're we're excited right. to uh, hopefully we'll be back soon and uh, and get on that stage. Hey, she said they're fixing the lift. Does that mean we finally get to use the lift? <laughs> <laughs> sure, as long as you pay the union rate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that having a hundred of us on stage at a time probably didn't help that lift any. But I, in all honesty, have said to our people on staff there, I'm like, is there a structural engineer on staff? Like, does anyone actually know what the wait? Like, Don't worry about it, Karen. We've got it. Covered. They've got it covered. You've always had a great team there. They, like I said, we've always felt like homecoming in there. So we can't wait. And I hope you get to do that garden series. There's so many talented people in our area that would would love to have an hour before a show and just you guys should just come and do a little something. There, yeah. you know? And maybe we'll have to uh, do another love letter we type of thing to. with you again. Bring you back into the acting fold. The only mm. show I can ever do because I can't memorize to stay, <laughs> save my life. Well, Jordan's always said uh, he's got to come back and do some more stuff. And we're always like, well, we'll put you and Karen together. We'll figure out the show to do. Karen, I, I can't thank you enough for A, your friendship, B, coming onto our podcast, the support you give my organization, all of you at North Shore Music Theater, give to our organization. And we can't wait to uh, come back and... Uh, help you guys open up. Just have an amazing opening season. Thank you. We look forward to having you all on the campus. We can't wait. Hey, there's one thing that we haven't done in a few weeks, Greg, um, and that's been our theater trivia. Yeah, we kind of forgot about that. I have something. It should be really easy. So it's for both you and Greg, but I bet you'll get it before Greg does, Karen. Don't count on it. So this is a (laughs) two-part question. What was the first year that North Shore Music Theater staged a production, and what was the production? It was, oh, I do know the answer to this. Well, I know half the answer. No, I know both, I I know both halves. Was Leonard Nimoy in it? (laughs) That I don't know. (laughs) It was was not Fiddler on the Roof with Leonard Nimoy as Tabia. It was 1955, and I believe it was Kiss Me Kate. Ding, 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 ding. That's it. See, it was nice and easy for you, Karen. Thank God. I have been out of the loop for a year, you know. It's like I saw an employee today and I said uh, to my friend Scott that was there, I said, Scott, I said, I can't remember his name. He goes, Karen, I had to look at the board with a couple of the people today because we had picked the boards backstage, as you know. Bill says to me all the time, how do you remember all these people's names? I said, Bill, I have notes in my phone. When I go to the theater by the sea, I know that Philip is in my phone and I look up what his husband's name is. And right before he walks in the door, it's not 15, 20 chambers here, three on the Cape five in Rhode Island. It's a lot to keep straight. And I've been out of the loop now for so long that I'm like, oh God, people will forgive me. I'll blame it on COVID. <laughs> I've never been to theater by the sea. So maybe this is year we'll have to go down and see down there. Yeah. It is pure magic. Yeah. We need to do a road trip. That place is so beautiful. Yeah. Right on the water. The grounds are spectacular. It's absolutely magical. We're going to head down this year. This will be the year. Got to go down there and help you guys open that theater too. I'll take it all my favorite haunts too. We'll Come take down notes. early for lunch. <laughs> we'll take notes. Well, Karen, thank you again. It's 
wonderful seeing you. I know podcast folks, you can't see her. That's too bad, but we can see her and she looks lovely. Can't wait to actually get to do that lunch we've been talking about. I know. I know. Once I get back from Indiana, we'll, uh, we'll get together. I love you both. And I love Voices of Hope. I uh, can't wait to have you back. Thank you. We love you too. We can't wait to see you in person. Ed, do you want to uh, end it with our usual asking for golfers? Sure. <laughs> All right. July 22nd, 8 o'clock shotgun start at the Four Oaks Country Club in beautiful Drakeet, Mass. Is the 11th annual Barbara Bird Memorial Classic Golf Tournament. We are filling up. We have over 70 golfers with two weeks to go. And it's usually the last two weeks where folks start coming in and registering. So I highly recommend you getting to vohgolf.com. Sign yourself up. Sign a team up. It's going to be an awesome day. We have some amazing, amazing auction, silent auction items and raffle items. We have autographed jerseys from the Patriots, from the Celtics, from the Bruins. We have autographed baseballs from the Red Sox. We have autographed footballs. We have some amazing prizes. And of course, there's the putting contest, which the entire putting green will be filled with high quality bottles of bourbon, Karen, oh. along with other, other choice libations, <laughs> alcoholic and non-alcoholic. That was a huge hit last year. So vohgolf.com july 22nd at the four oaks country club in Drakeet, mass hope to see you there i was actually there on saturday it's beautiful isn't it it is isn't it the restaurant there is amazing and they have a new room there too that you guys maybe could use to do a little show or something they just launched a new room yeah they were building that last year when we were there so i can't wait to see it but yeah it's a it's a wonderful course they have amazing food also if any sponsors are out there we still have room for sponsorship so you get two weeks to become a sponsor and uh get into our little book well, thank you, everybody. I'll be on vacation for a few days, so uh, we'll be on a little bit of hiatus. And when we get back, uh, who knows who we'll have. But couldn't have anybody better than Karen Nassimini, the general manager of North Shore Music Theater again. Thanks, Karen. Love to see you. Thank you. Ed, we'll see you at rehearsal in a couple of nights. And uh, yep. And uh, have a great week, everybody. <laughs>